listening to Humanize Me with Bart Campolo. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the program. And, and I, even as I say that, I go like, is a podcast a program? I don't know. Yeah, I never know whether we should use the word program or if we should use the word show. You know, here's, here's a word that we need to use, John. I figured this out. We need to use the word John Wright because I got this letter from a first-time listener who said, hey, I found your podcast and I turned it on. And like, who was that other guy? Oh, right. And it's you, John Wright. I guess maybe it should be in the notes, too, of the of the episode, like if people want to look it up. It should be. I mean, yeah. And by the way, on last week's episode, did you edit out the part where I said that we don't really edit the podcast? Did you take that out? <laughs> I, I think I did, actually. I think because I, start, I started it a little bit after that. Okay, I hope you did. I hope you did. You like, made this bold claim that we, we never- We don't edit this thing, which is so such a lie. And, and, and Did you and, like that gif I sent you in response? I did. I did. Who was that? Who was that person? It was Jack Nicholson. I think it was Jack Nicholson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just yeah, looking just, like non, nonplussed. <laughs> I know. Which, by the way, nonplussed, one, a great word that for the first 35 years of my life, I didn't know what it really meant. I thought it meant like you didn't like something, like you were against it <laughs> because you were uh-huh. nonplussed. Um, but it turns out that you're just like, what? Bewildered. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, um, but it turns out that we do need to say, John, that on these Q&A shows and even on these non-Q&A shows, you are the producer, co-host, and um, and my pal. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, that is yeah. about right. I, and, and it's funny because on last week's episode, I was liaising more than usual with another producer who is Josh Cross, who is the producer of Unorthodox who we had on the podcast last week. Yeah. And yeah. I worked with him a little bit last week, and it was cool to kind of just like be talking to another podcast producer. Right. He's who, and, and, and boy, I've been in his house. He's such an interesting, like, you know, if you want to be, like, he is really as Jewish as they come in, in a beautiful way. Like yeah. all these kids running That's around awesome. and just, just everybody, <laughs> everybody loud and eating and laughing and saying clever things. Yeah. They're just great. He seems like a cool dude. You got a question from a listener? I do. Fire away, man. Hey, Bart. I'm Josie. I just turned 15, and I'm a big fan of your podcast. Okay. So I have this really great science teacher who is one of my favorite teachers ever, and he's really passionate about a lot of things. It will sometimes sort of go on long trains of thought during class. One of the things he comes back to is basically how the well-being of Earth is spiraling downhill and we will all be in serious environmental trouble in the near future, what with the spiking population and climate change. And then once he talks about this, he sort of moves back to whatever lesson we're doing, you know, Newton's third law or whatever. And then I sort of can't really focus the rest of class because I keep going back to like, wow, we are in serious trouble. Everyone in the world is in serious trouble. Why isn't this everyone's first concern at the moment? Why aren't we all trying to fix this? Is it because it's such a great truth that no one wants to actually acknowledge it? So I guess my main question is, how do we cope with this really high 
probability that life on Earth may be really, really miserable for us in the near future. Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Hey, Bart. This is Josie again. I hope my last message went through. And I just want to clarify what I said. I know everybody can't just drop everything and go buy a Tesla. But I just still don't understand how growing population and climate change and stuff like that aren't talked about more often. Okay, thank you. All right. That must be the youngest caller we've ever had. Yeah, but like, she sure sounds smart, doesn't she? Oh, yeah. And thoughtful. And thoughtful and cool. Uh-huh. Yeah. And what a what a good question. I mean, I, I mean, I think, you know, I just have this image of her sitting in class and her professor, you know, and her teacher does this rant and then like he turns back to the board and she's like, what? Like, yeah. I don't, did you ever see, did you ever see Woody Allen made a movie years ago? I think it was, uh, it, was it, it wasn't any, I think it was Manhattan, but like he flashes back to when he was a little kid in, in, in Brooklyn, uh, in, in Brooklyn. And, um, and, you know, he's in this class and all these kids are like t- playing and talking. He's like, don't you know that like the world is going to end soon? Like we're all going to die. And like, how, how can any of the, how can any of this be meaningful? Um, and it was, it was not, um, you know, not unlike yeah. our, our, our buddy here. Um, that's a good question. You know, it's funny. I've actually caught two questions in there. The one is, you know, how can people not be focused on this? Right. But the other one was, how am I supposed to cope? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess that is another another part of that question. You know, it's interesting because I, I think about, sometimes I say, you know, the, the when people, when talking about risk in life and, uh, you know, how people, people tend to be focused on the wrong thing. I mean, really, you know, the, the idea of getting freaked out about being on a plane while every day you get in your car and, and just completely nonchalantly get behind the wheel and drive, it, that's insane. I mean, behind the wheel of the car, we should all be going like, oh my God, you know, the entire time. And in a, in a way, climate change is like that. I mean, it's like uh, this thing that we all know, not all of us, of course, but so many of us know is a problem. And it's like, yeah, we should be way more freaked out than we are, essentially. You know, it's interesting. I, I, and, and I don't know. Um, it's Josie, right? Josie, yeah. Josie, yeah. That's one of the things you, you always hope that when you're like doing this, like we should write her a letter and say like, you're gonna Like we're going to talk about your question on the podcast. Cause like, what if she misses this episode? Right. And I guess I could maybe call back the number it came from and do that. Yeah. That would be cool. Um, so, 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 but here's the thing is that I, I think that I, I, I recently got into a big um, email argument with a friend of mine named Michael Dowd, who's been on this podcast. And Michael Dowd is, he calls himself an apocaloptimist. And that is that like, he's, 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 he's one of the most well-read guys I know about climate change and, you know, peak oil and, you know, global currencies and all, uh, you know, I mean, he's absolutely convinced that a major economic and social collapse is imminent. Mm -hmm. You know, as am I, as am I. Like, I, I, you know, 
I mean, I taught a college class on this. Like I got, they asked me to do a six week mini class at this local college nearby. And they were like, about anything you want. And I was like, and I'm going to do it about, you know, community organizing in the shadow of imminent collapse. And, uh, you know, and, and, and my family, they, they talk about like these, this, these five years where that was all I could talk about. Um, and he said, well, well, but then you realize that it wasn't so bad. And I go like, no, no. Then I realized that talking about it nonstop, not only wasn't doing the world that much good, but it, it was really, it was really not doing my relationships very much good. Um, right. But, but I got into this argument with Michael Dowd about hope because a lot of the environmentalists that I, I read lately they, 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 they've stopped trying. They're like, it's over. We, we lost, you know, we, we had to stop, we had to start pumping carbon at this level and we didn't do it. And now the, the greenhouse um, sort of cycle is going to start and there's nothing we can do about it. And you're just mm -hmm. going to see melting ice caps. And they're like, it's not the end of humanity, but it's the end of this form of life, like people, you know, the air will be very different. The, the the water will be very different. Like the number of people that the earth can sustain will be very different. And then, you know, different people predict different things, but the one thing that they all say is like, it's not gonna be like it is now. It's not gonna be like it is now, but that that is a good point though. I read a, an interesting article by uh, a climate scientist at Columbia University, and she was talking about the importance of the need to distinguish between like climate we're not literally doomed right when people talk about climate disaster and like we're doomed uh they talk about it like doomsday there's she says there's some space for action between everything is fine and the apocalypse is upon us it's going to be different economically in the future it's going to be different in a lot of ways but you know life will go on and i think it's important to to say that even though you know some people will use that as an excuse to do nothing or to or to say like well therefore it doesn't matter yeah and and, and i mean even if it is going to be awful um in the midst of the most awful reality possible there are still choices that people can make and there are and, and there's still actions that people can take that will make things better for somebody or worse for somebody, you know? So, so, I mean, I think hope as I understand it more and more. And I, and, and I, I remember reading this, the book, uh, Rebecca Solnit, uh, the, the, the great feminist writer wrote this wonderful book about, um, her experience in Katrina. And I'm trying to remember what it was called. It was, uh, it was called, uh, hope in the darkness. Yeah. Hope in the dark. And, uh, and, and one of the things that she wrote about that I always remember is saying like, Hope is not the belief that everything was or will be fine. You know, there's going to be suffering. There is destruction. There's already suffering and destruction. Hope is rather this conviction that what I do can, can make a difference. That, that my actions may not be able to completely, I can't control my life or control my environment, but I can, I can impact it. Um, 
And so, 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 I mean, I often think of it like, you know, like you're riding one of those, you know, hundred foot waves, um, on a surfboard. And, and, and the question is, can you stop the wave? And the answer is no, but you can, you can steer a little bit. Now it can still wipe you out. Like you're, you don't, you, you can't, you can't even guarantee your own safety on that wave. But what I'm saying is like, whether you paddle or not, whether you steer left or right has has an impact on your destiny, even if it doesn't completely control your destiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I think that at some point, you, you, I would say it's just calm. It, it, it would be wise to stop screaming, the wave is coming, the wave is coming, and ask yourself a simple question. You know, can I steer? What, where, where's the best place to go? And, and, and if you go like, no, 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 like it's going to wipe us all out. And then you go like, okay, in between the second I realize it's going to wipe us all out and the second it wipes us all out, is there anything I can say to anybody that would be meaningful? Is there anything, is there anything I could do that would inject a little bit more love or, or, or meaning or into this, in, into this situation? Because on some level, you know, all like for each of us, especially if you're, if, if you, if you're not a great believer in life after death or in, you know, sort of some kind of like, you know, eternal, whatever, which I'm not, when you die, it isn't, you just don't die. As far as you are concerned, the entire universe will come to an end. As from your perspective. Yeah. From your perspective. Everything comes to an end from your perspective. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, so the apocalypse will happen. Like it's, Going, like everything that you value will be wiped clean. Right, our own Nothing. our own personal apocalypses are coming. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and 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 you say, well, so what do you say to somebody in the in in the in the in the face of that? And you go like, well, you know, you go, you have a little bit of time here. You ought to you ought to make the most of it. You know, how do you, you know, what would be what would be meaningful? How can who can you love? You know, how, who can you connect with? What experiences can you have? And I think on some level that's hopeful. Yes. Um, and it's not saying like I, you can avoid your death, but it's saying like you can do something in this moment. Um, you have, you can steer. You, like you can't, like these cards have been dealt. You cannot do a damn thing about the cards you've been dealt, but like you get to pick how you play them. Mm. And yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I, it's funny, like as I'm, as I'm thinking about Josie's question, like I remember reading this article in Time years ago about like somebody like breaking down like why it is that we ignore climate change warnings. And it's something, you know, and it's this, in some ways it's just basic human, I mean, we're evolutionally hardwired to deal with immediate crises instead of long range crises. Right. And that is actually a sort of, that's <laughs> like, that's caused the survival of our species. Like focus on what's happening right now. You, that gives you the best shot. Yeah. Focus um, on what you can understand personally too. Yeah. And so, and so like we are, it's very natural for us to like worry about the immediate, worry about the stuff that's going to affect me right now in this situation. Um, well, I mean, people don't even save for their retirement, you know, like, I mean, th- that that is going to affect them, but they don't do it. So like the, the climate change thing is is that, but it may also be a, a collective versus individual uh, thing as far as explaining that. I mean, you know, human beings act one way when they're by themselves and, and given a unique sort of problem to solve or, or 
situation to, to manage. But like, you know, when when they're part of a, a huge crowd, they act completely differently and you, very often irrationally and against their own interests. Yeah. And, and, you know, and a lot of times, you know, you can be in a, in a, in a big, even in a big crowd and you can go like, you know, I think that, 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 that we're, that we're in trouble and there's a, there's a tiger coming into the building right now and he's going to kill a bunch of people. And you like, it probably won't be me. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you're like, I'm I, like, like safety in numbers. Yeah. Or the old lady next to me, she looks a little, she like, it'll probably get her. <laughs> or like, you know, I'm smarter than the, you know, you know, I like my Roman always says like, oh yeah, I know the big one's going to hit LA, but like, you know, I'm smart, I'm strong, I'm young, like I'll be fine. And, yeah. and, 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 and I think, it, you know, he knows better, but like you do kind of have this optimism bias no, that says true. like, you know, I, th- you know, I think I'll be okay. That's true. That's true. And I, and I think like you can look at some of the science around, you know, what sort of climate scientists say is going to happen, you know, the first things, then the next sort of stage of things, and, and and then further stages and further stages. And you can think like, oh, yeah, so I can push that boat out a while, you know? I mean, this is not, I don't live on the coast, right? Right. I don't live in Florida. But I think that the deeper thing is that I think we're aware that it's, it, it, and it's a little bit what's happened to our politics, where I think people are aware that the forces that shape an election aren't individual voters. They're, they're huge donors or they're Russian operatives with Facebook pages, you know, that we're, we're aware that in a sense, you know, we feel it's like the Facebook leaks and things like that. Like, like, we're small potatoes, each of us individually. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people really believe that the problem is so big that whether or not I recycle, Monsanto is going to do some horrible thing tomorrow that would make like a thousand years of a thousand people recycling, wipe it, wipe it out. Mm. And so I think a lot of people, they just feel the the futility of individual responsibility in the face of a problem that sort of dwarfs them. It seems too big. Yeah. 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 And, and that's a very hard pro I mean, I'm aware of that that sort of psychological filter, you know, operating in my own brain. And it's hard to kind of deprogram. It's hard to sort of feel like, oh, I can do there's lots that I can do right now. Oh, you know, when, when I, you know, when I read that, like, you know, the administ- Trump administration has opened up the, you know, Alaskan, you know, pristine wilderness for oil exploration, knowing that there'll be all this degradation. I go like, yeah, like you go like, well, all the more reason to recycle your soda cans. And I'm going like, all the more reason it doesn't matter. And Josie's going like, wow, you, you suck just like my science teacher. Like and now I'm, now, you know, now I'm even more depressed. I can't even listen to your podcast. <laughs> and, and, but what I would say is, is I, I'm trying desperately to teach young people how to build community, how to form meaningful relationships, how to love each other, how to, how to weave hope out and meaning out of thin air. Because I really believe that when the electrical grid goes down, and when there's pandemic flus running around and when like two thirds of our population are wiped out or whatever, the actual apocalyptic thing that none of us can really visualize anyway, 
looks like. On the other side of that, there will be human beings. And and what will matter will be, you know, the, the ultimate survival skill will not be, you know, fighting off zombies with a machete. The ultimate survival skill will be banding together with a few other people and learning how to like hold it together and resolve some conflict and grow some food and mm. re- start rebuilding. You know, when they bomb you back to the stone age, like go like, okay, but like we know a little bit more. So like maybe we can get out of the stone age a little faster than we did last time. Um, yeah. And, and maybe we can build back in a more sustainable way. Um, so, so for me, I think what I want to say to Josie is like, so he gives you the end of the world stuff and then he switches over to Newton's third, third law or whatever. And the question you have to ask yourself is, is there anything like, is there any way that learning Newton's third law that I can use that to build more loving relationships, to make things better for other people, to, 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 to create a greater sense of gratitude and wonder for the stuff that's around me. Even if like a hundred years from now or 50 years from now, the stuff that's around me is a miasma of destruction. And you go like, you're still going to have to look for something beautiful. You're still going to have to find a way to like be grateful for something. Like the same rules of human meaning are going to apply. And so, you know, I'm like, I know the water's going to get rougher, all the more reason to learn how to swim. Mm-hmm. And so, so the question is, is if education is only about economic, you know, aggrandizement then then i can see why like you go like well what's the point of of like of of trying to situate myself in the world as it is when i believe that the world as it is as it is is going to be wiped clean and i go like no 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 that's not the point of your education the point of your education is to become somebody that could get plunked down in virtually any situation and make meaning out of thin air and and you go like, well, what is Newton's third law? And I go, it has something to do with it. And what is nursing school? Oh, it definitely has something to do with it. We're going to need some of that. And you go like, what does being a poet have to do? Oh, you're going to really need some poets then. You're like, what is any? And I'm thinking it's all meaningful, but you've got to put it in the context of what you're going to, like what it's for. And I'm convinced that the kind of work that I'm doing and that we're doing is about preparing ourselves and preparing young people to not only survive the apocalypse, however it looks, whatever, whatever, you know, I, yeah, I've no, and that's the other reason why people are, don't, don't do anything about it is because they can't visualize it. Like a car crash, I can visualize a plane crash. I can right, visualize. You know what it is. Nobody can visualize this thing, no matter how many movies they go to. And, you know, movies don't right. have enough time to show you a slow motion. Yeah. And that's kind of the problem. Like it, it's going to be more boring than that. Yeah. You I mean, know. it's already, ha- the weird thing is like gonna be, it's already happening. Yes. Like the waters are rising, right? Like you got to wear more sunscreen now than you did 20 years ago. Uh, you know, we, we just take stuff for granted. Like, yeah, our, our environment is changing. And we just go like, yeah, of course, there's going to be more, hur- there's more hurricanes. Like it, there's, it's already happening. So you say like, oh yeah, it's going to be slow motion. Dude, it's so slow motion that it started and you didn't notice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but I think that what we have to recognize is that our hope is not that we're going to avoid it. 
our hope is that we're going to acquit ourselves well in the midst of it, to make better choices than we would have made if we didn't think about it, if we didn't learn this skill, if we didn't care for that person, if we didn't build this community. Um, and so, you know, I, I actually feel like my, I feel like I know the Titanic is going down and that's why I'm really doing, I'm, I'm working really hard to build lifeboats and to teach mm -hmm. people how to swim and, and all that stuff. And, and you say, well, well, what if the Titanic doesn't go down? I'm like, ah, it's still good to know. Yeah. And, and that's the last thing I would say is, is that we are not the first generation to have really credible scientists telling us that we're in big trouble, that we're going to run out of food. And then they've came up with crops that, and we didn't run out of food, you know? And, and so, you know, some people say like, do you think we can attack our way out of this? And I go like, I, I don't think so, but we might. And, and, and I have, I probably have slightly more optimism on that than you do because I am oriented that way. But, but we, we agree that like, we, we have a problem. Oh yeah, we got a problem. But, but we also agree that like, we've had problems before. Right. Right. And, and what's more is like, you know, with the geometric progression of science, I mean, you know, the biggest problem that we face right now, many people would say, I mean, I, I'm listening to this podcast called the end of the world. Mm -hmm. That's all about kind of this, this stuff. And, and, and it's about Fermi's paradox. Like why, if there are so many planets, why haven't we, and, and there almost certainly life has emerged other places. Why hasn't it found us or why haven't we found it? And, you know, basically the answer that the, that the, these guys come up with is there have been other civilizations and they reach this level of technical sophistication and they figure out how to kill themselves before they figure out how not to kill themselves and they kill themselves. Mm. And nobody ever, nobody gets off, nobody ever gets very far off their planet because they can't hold, you know, once they get to that level of technological sophistication, they do something that ends it all. Mm -hmm. And you sort of go like, well, maybe this time we'll get it right. You know, maybe we're, we're at least aware of the problem. Um, but as I'm listening to these, these, these things, I find myself going, what I know is, is that even if we all died tomorrow, the things that I, the things that I, I feel like are most important would still be important. It would still be important to love your kids. It would still be important to kind of appreciate, you know, the, the world around you and, and, and to make the most of that moment. Um, I mean, if that's true on an individual level, then it's gotta be true on a collective level as well. Yeah, no doubt. No, I think this is, I think you're right. This is a matter of focus. It's about where you put your energy and what it says about the problem. You know, the other thing that Rebecca Solnit says is that on some level, hope is admitting that we really don't know what's going to happen. That we're, as scared as we are, that we, like we've been wrong before. We, we, we don't know. And one of the things is like, you know, AI is the scariest thing in the world. Like, AI, AI is probably going to end us before the climate does or AI is going to save us. We don't know. And even the most expert people on AI don't know. And so I just think it's important to, to hold out, to go like, it looks really bad. Even if the worst thing happens, you still can surf a little bit. You still can, you still got some choices to make. And, and I would recommend that you make them with love in mind. I think it's your best and most solid bet to like squeeze what meaning you can out of your brief moment. 
and for this and for our species to squeeze whatever the best we can out of what may be our brief moment on a cosmological term. Um, but the other thing is like we don't know, and we might we, we might make it through. And and boy, right. if you make it through, all the more reason to have cultivated the kind of the kind of values and the kind of character and the kind of love that would make life worth living if it goes on forever. Agreed. So I wonder how satisfying this answer is going to feel to Josie. I think that's uh, it's. Not a, very I mean, high. there there is no really there is no way to satisfy. No, I, and I don't. I like like sometimes when we like when we did that one on uh, can insignificance be liberating? Mm-hmm. As as soon as we said thank you very much, see you next time on humanize me. Like I, I, I you know the first thought I had was like oh we nailed that one, that was good, you know, and you go like uh-huh. I when I when I. When we're done with this one, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to say, ah, we nailed that one. Um, no, because it's inherently a different kind of thing. I mean, this is not something that can be solved overnight, if at all. No, but I think maybe, maybe but, but I think like- the, the, It's not going to be satisfying. No, no, it's not. But I think like if I said to Josie, like, Josie, forget the world. Like, let, let, let me tell you, the world is going to last for another 10 billion, like the, the, the human race is going to last for another 10 billion years. But you, Josie? You're going to die next week. Mm-hmm. It would be the same thing. Like, how can I focus on what's happening in class? Right? Yeah. What yeah, do I yeah, do? Yeah. What, what, what do I do? And, you know, and, and so I go like, on some level, this is an unprecedented problem uh, for humanity, but it is the most, it, it is, it is the absolutely the most common problem for, hu- for each human being. And that is, how do I keep going once I realize that it's all going to end. Right. And, you know, hopefully a lot of the other stuff that we've talked about on this program is an answer to that question. Um, But, you know, I genuinely believe that we give ourselves the best chance of doing the things that we need to do to mitigate or offset the apocalypse by cultivating our, 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 our sense of valuing one another in the natural world. And so on some level, the, the best thing you can do to enjoy this life is probably also the best thing you can do to save it. Good stuff. We tried. Yeah, we tried, Josie. And and you know what? We, like, I just want to say, sometimes, you know, you thank people for sponsoring the podcast through Patreon. Sometimes you just thank them for sending a nice email. Josie, thank you so much for taking this podcast seriously enough that you were like, I'm going to put something in there. And it's really cool to have a 15 year old who is so thoughtful to begin with. And, and that can inspire optimism by itself. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, if you, if, if you want to talk to us, there, like she called in on the phone, on the phone line, didn't she? She did. What's the phone number? Uh, the number is 424 yeah, so so be like Josie and make a call. Um, and the other thing is the, the, the humanizemepodcast.com or bartcampolo.org. Those are places that you can check in, send an email. Um, yeah, we love to hear from you. We love you. We love each other. We love this life. It, it's, it's fun to be in this process with you, bro. Thanks, man. All right, next time. For more on BART, go to bartcampolo.org. If you like this podcast, please consider supporting it every month and get extra content for it. 
go to patreon.com slash humanize me. Our patrons do make the show happen. Follow us at Humanize Me Pod on Twitter and Humanize Me Podcast on Instagram. You can also join other listeners on our private Facebook group. Just search Humanize Me on Facebook. To ask your own question on the show, leave it as a voicemail at 424-291-2092. That's 424-291-2092. And finally, please review us on iTunes. It really helps. Catch you next week. Humanize Me is a production of Jux Media. Hey, you could be larger